I have pictures on my, by my favorite breakfast place. Got my picture taken the day after the draft. We were headed out there on a Saturday morning, and they took the sign down. John Schneider Show on Wyman and Bob every Thursday until draft day. And I picked the seventh round pick, and he's like, oh, absolutely. And we got around to it, and just Julian Elman, and I'm like, sweet, they're going to pick Julian Elman. And he's like, no, I was just kidding, man. With Seahawks general manager, John Schneider. Well, it is that time. We look forward to this every week, man. This is fun. And we've got him back in person now as we are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It's Wyman and Bob Seattle Sports on 710. And sitting to my immediate left is a man with a plan. He pulls all the strings around here and makes it happen. The GM of your Seattle Seahawks, John Schneider, is with us. Back, in, It's better in person, isn't it, than the phone, don't you think? Yeah, it's better in person. You guys look very well rested, by the way, both very, of you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that's a movie line. You're not. No, it's not. You're not well rested. Uh, getting there. Yeah, getting there. But yeah. it seems like just like a couple minutes ago, we were uh, sitting in that hall at the combine and and you know talking to you guys on the speakerphone with a bunch of people walking by, like flipping me off and making fun of me and stuff, <laughs> and like trying to distract me, all my buddies. What What is the rest schedule like for you there? Honestly, do you do you get much sleep, or are you like on your phone at six a.m. and then no, it's it's night? probably like you know. Uh, because it's because they are late nights with the meetings and everything. It's, 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 uh, and now the workouts, it's basically like, you know, um, as many meetings as you can set up with other agents, uh, whether it's Nolan, Willie, myself, Matt Thomas, whoever we can, you know, all the people, uh, Joey, all the, all the people we can reach, uh, you know, it can be, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning and then, um, you know, let's get up, let's get rocking. But it's like eight, you know, it's not like, you know, you have to get right back up at six. It used to be, it used to be really bad. But now the schedule's really helped. All right, so people will get mad at us if we don't start with this. Uh, okay. Gino, Gino Smith. Yes, uh, we sir. heard Pete talking uh, about with uh, with Brock and Salk about how um, who is, uh, Brock and Salk? It's a oh, morning it's a different show. show. Six to ten. A couple oh, okay. of other guys. Yeah. Uh, I think we're not <laughs> yeah. familiar with them. Pete goes on with them. Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, he was talking about how you guys did a good job with the communication and you know not leaving any voids or spaces, as he put it. Yeah. What uh, just tell us how that whole thing came together and what that experience was like. It was great. His agent, uh, Chaffee Fields, who played at Penn State, was a wide receiver there, and, and uh, I scouted him coming out. We've always had a relationship. Uh, he played for the Niners for a minute, and and uh, he's just a really, really, uh, like, smooth, like, cool, like, individual. Like, he's just got a really great presence about him. So he's very easy to communicate with. Uh, you know, he's not he's not a guy that's going to get really upset, you know, when you're in in the uh, in the heat of the moment. You know, every every negotiation, um, you know, I said it this morning, every negotiation has has its own uh, storyline, its own um, set of issues that you need to work through. And, you know, Chaffee just did a really great job and his partner, Kevin, of just working through the issues. And, and, and we kept everything really quiet, which I always really appreciate and the organization appreciates. Uh, so that, you know, things aren't aired and, you know, nobody's trying to like work an angle in the media or anything or on social media. And we just kept things real direct and, uh, you know, had, had good meetings down there. We met at the combine, uh, three or four times with those guys and, uh, you know, everything just kind of stayed as positive as, as we possibly could. Uh, they understood what we were trying to get accomplished. We understood what they were trying to get accomplished. And, uh, yeah, I was just, you know, really, really impressed with his professionalism. And, you know, as an organization, I think we do a very good job of keeping things tight. Well, one comment that Pete made that we thought was interesting, he talked about filling, keeping those gaps limited in terms of, converse, like, your, your constant contact, sure. so to speak. Is that 
Is that sort of dictated by how active somebody could be on social media, where they're going to be receiving information from all these different people, and I'm hearing this, and I'm hearing this? Because Gino's a guy who's pretty active. He, if you follow his Twitter, I don't. Does it does that have any bearing on how in contact you are, or how frequently you're in contact through a negotiation? Uh, well, not necessarily necessarily with a negotiation in any relationship. I think you know when there's a you know we've always believed that when there's a when there's a gap in communications, you know your your, your mind starts spinning. Things can go towards the negative. It's going to go towards the negative. You know, eighty percent more than it is you know towards the positive. When you're in your own head, when you're in your own mind, and you know this group's thinking this and this group's thinking that, and they're not communicating. So you know, uh, I worked with a leadership guy in, in in Green Bay who was really cool about helping me with. Hey, you know, let's keep everything on the table. We're gonna have we're going to have some really uncomfortable conversations and you need to get comfortable with those uncomfortable conversations because you know you can't have anything lingering and the once once things linger and you don't address those issues so whether like i said whether it's negotiating or in a relationship uh you know if you let things go people tend to to, to drift towards the negative right and we don't want that we want to we want to be constantly communicating and I'm not, you know, I'm not always going to like what I hear and, you know, you're not always going to like what you hear. But we're, you know, we're trying to keep everything above board. Have you ever had one of those business conversations that got, like, emotional? And then, you know, you got to be coached up. Like you were saying, coaches get all these uh, opportunities to be around other coaches yeah. and everything. But for a GM, you know, it's like not like they have classes for that or anything. No, yes, I've had a bunch of those. Yeah. No, I sound like Gil Haskell right there. No, no, yes, yes. <laughs> no, no, yes. I hope he's listening. Yes, no, no, yes. Uh, yeah, I've had several of those uh, conversations, uh, uh, you know, uh, a good friend of mine is an agent. Uh, I'm not going to mention names, but uh, we were going at it one night, and, you know, on the way home, and, and I was in the car, and and uh, uh, you know, he's getting after me, and I'm getting after him, and then I'm out of the car, and my, my oldest son Ben, it, it, you know, was still living in the house, and you know, he has autism. He says whatever's on his mind, and so he he opened the garage door, and he's like, "Dad, you're being completely inappropriate with the language right now." <laughs> Ben told you that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, Ben? I apologize. And and, and uh, my buddy, who's the other agent, was like, you know what? I apologize. He thought I was apologizing to him, and I was apologizing to Ben yeah. for my, you know, uh, yeah. language. And he's like, yeah, I apologize too, John. I'm sorry. So let's, uh, he let's brought just, you two together. Yeah, he's like, let's just talk in the morning. I'm like, good call. Let's sleep on it. That's uh, awesome. Hey, so how do you handle it if it seems like it's becoming a little bit more frequent these days or more normal that guys are their own agents? They don't have an agent. Yeah. I mean, there have been guys on this team, whether it's Bobby or Russell Okung or people like that. Do you go in with a completely different mindset? Like, okay, I got, I, I need to handle this differently because I'm dealing with the individual directly as opposed to intermediary. Yeah, I don't know why we are the uh, banner team for that. You know, uh, Russell Okung, uh, Sherm, uh, Bobby, and we pride ourselves on um, having these really strong relationships uh, with guys and being a developmental organization and. It, it it's just when you really care about somebody like that, like we do with with Russ and, and Sherm and Bobby. No matter what, you're going to get into uncomfortable conversations. And uh, you know, uh, if there's a buffer there, uh, that's great. Um, and, and 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 I personally think it helps. Bobby may um, disagree with me, um, but you know, I, I think that you know, uh, it's just you, you're no matter what, you're going to get in awkward uh, situations. And um, you know, like. You know, personally, I pride myself on my on on uh, the relationship I have with with the players and trying to be as straightforward with them as I as I possibly can um, to help them and to to protect the organization. And you know, it just it's just 
you know, sometimes that communication is hard. Um, so, uh, you know, we've been able to talk to Bobby now and, um, you know, address some of those things. So it's, it's, it's worked out great. And, um, you know, we're going to be in communication as we go along throughout free agency now. I'm going to ask this question kind of based on what we just saw at the Combine with particularly Anthony Richardson, the just ridiculous freak of yeah. nature, you know, his, his athletic ability and everything. What are, some of the, what are some of the mistakes that you think that people make when, it's, when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks? I mean, oh, I mean, because that was that's one where I mean, you, you look at how he plays. Sure, you know, looks looks really good, but he also athletically is just ridiculous, and that can sway people. But what what do you think are some of the the mistakes that people make in that? Oh man, great question, uh, great question, Dave. I, I would say that uh, you know everybody's career is a, is a, is a movie. It's a whole book, and so you're with with anybody that's at the combine. Um, you know, you're just you're just starting like it's just part of their part of their movie. And there's a whole process that these guys have to go through, um, you know, learning how to be a pro, uh, learning a new offense, uh, you know, uh, being a leader, coming into a locker room with with grown men and competing with grown men. So, you know, I think that that um, the mistakes are made. You know, my point is, I'm sorry, you have to be able to project where they're going and not you're just you can't just look at, you know, OK, you know, here's a b and c part of their game right. you have to you have to be able to say okay here's a b and c what's going to look like at x y z you know what where, where's that what's what's the gap in there where, where, where are they going to be and that's kind of the you know that's the study that's the art that's the the uh projection that's in, involved and you know especially with 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 football and you know the the uh the ultimate team sport like 120 guys like how's this person going to handle all that and how are they going to fit with everybody and you know, part of the puzzle. And, you know, the height, weight, speed thing is, is something that people make mistakes with every year, you know, regardless of position. But obviously, quarterback is the most scrutinized position. I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Are you going to be in contact with Bobby? Is that yeah, what you're saying? We have been able to now. And so we were able to, Pete and I were able to talk to him the other day. And we had a great, awesome, frank conversation. And, yeah, so he knows where we are and we know where he's at. So, and now, you know, we have so much respect for him, uh, you know, personally and professionally. And, so we're able to talk through some things, and, and uh, yeah, we know where it's going. Is is that in bringing somebody back potentially? I'm not putting that, but you brought yeah. Bruce back. Others yeah. have come back. You know, Justin Coleman. Yeah. Is that is how do you feel about that? Because some could look at that as, oh man, you're 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 bringing back somebody who's not what they once were, but there's this nostalgia element to it. Is, is it hard not to incorporate that? Like, oh, we love Bobby. He was such a pillar of what we did here, but. He's an older player at this point. Is it, is it hard to sort of negotiate that? If well, you know? I, I think it's flattering that, that that guys do want to come back here, and I think it's it's a it's a reflection of everybody in the building, whether it's Mo, Ek, you know, Stu, Dave Pearson, Strick, Sam, everybody in the building. I think it's a reflection on those people as much as it is on the player, and uh, you know, uh, you know whether they you know the kind of success they had here and 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 the um, the culture that we have here that's been able to help them you know, uh, live up to their dreams and achieve everything that they want to achieve. You know, to your point about where guys are in their career, you always have to look at the landscape of the of the whole league and not just say, yeah, you know, we're overly, um, I mean, it's Bobby Wagner, you know what I mean? It's like Dick Buckus, you know, like, I mean, this is Ray Nitschke, this is Kurt, he's Ray Lewis, these guys, you know. Um, you know, you have to look at the whole landscape and, and then how you're, you're trying to help your team. And, 
you know, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, we have to prioritize things and and and, and try to help our uh, help our team. You know, based on what the landscape of the whole league looks at, like looks like based on um, you know position strength uh, throughout the whole league. And, and when I say that, I mean free agency, and not just say to your point, like, hey, this is you know Justin Coleman, you know, you know we got to bring him back because of how he played, you know. Four years ago, right. when he signed this, before he signed this big deal in Detroit, when you have to keep projecting where the guys are going to go. Yeah, when you're filling in, like you know, let's say defensive tackle, center, guard, linebacker, whatever, uh, you have a plan. Obviously, you don't know what's going to go on in the draft. You have no idea who's going to mm-hmm. take what. We well, maybe have some idea, but mm-hmm. you know, how much of that how, do you sit there and go, okay, this we're going to address address in free agency. This we're going to address through the draft, or is it just totally fluid? No, free agency gives you a, a, an early landscape, and so you know you know uh, what the strengths of, of free agency look like. You know what the draft looks like. You know what possible cap casualties look like from other teams. And then it's it's a matter of okay, how aggressive are we going to be to try to fix a, a specific area of your team, and knowing that okay, just there's there's more numbers at this position than there are at another position, just based on not not quality of player, just pure uh, numbers. So you have to be able to uh, kind of mix and match and say okay, well okay, we want a player at position B, but you know. That's a better player, position B, but there's only so many of these other players at position A. And so we better go, you know, address that right away before we get to position B. Hey, one of one of the things that, that came up while you were out there at the draft was the it's it's the one year anniversary. We of, have the draft of, already, or, or at the uh, combine? Excuse me, smokes. Uh, <laughs> That's like one of my nightmares. I missed the draft. You started to panic. Yeah. You felt behind. I started sweating. It's like that uh, nightmare when you're a kid that you're you know the bell rings. And you're, you're late. Yeah, you're late. You're can't find your helmet. <laughs> yeah, or your socks. Yeah, for me it was socks. Yeah, I can't play in the game. I can't find my socks. Uh, anyway, sorry, I totally at, interrupted you. No, you're at the combine. Yes, we were. Uh, one year anniversary, Russell being traded and yeah. that, that article came out in the athletic that mm. sort of detailed you know russell supposedly wanted to make a move with you and pete and went to ownership he's come out and said i didn't say that i love them they're like fathers blah 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 what, when, you, when you hear that when you obviously you were asked about it but what, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you say about that how do you respond to that just the way they answered it down there i think it's water under the bridge i think everybody's moved on um we're constantly you know, talking about what's next, like what's next, what's next. You know, we're super fired up about Gino's deal getting done, but it's like as soon as we got done with that, it's like, okay, on to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and we have a lot of balls in the air. Um, I would say that, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jody, Pete, myself, Chuck, everybody believes, you know, everybody believes in this building so much and the culture that's here and all the people that have, the foundational people that have been in, you know, the Seahawks for such a long time now. Um, heck, it was one of the reasons I wanted to come back. I was here in 2000, and when this job became available in 2010, it was like I was so excited about it because of people in the building like Dave and EK and Mo and the people that the people that I knew here, Sam Rams, and and so there's so many people don't understand like how important culture is and 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 what that means. And so um, when I when I hear that, it's just you know like I get it, fine. But that's that seemed like two years ago now, really. I mean, it seems like a long time. But we've been through a lot. And we just keep moving forward, you know, like every every day is a, is a new story and like how are we fixing our team and how are we getting better and, and letting the fans know that we're, we're like, we're 
totally busting our tails to uh, to get better every single day. And so it's about moving forward and then relying on our culture for, like, this new group of people that are coming in that are going to come here and succeed and have fun. And they know that when they come here, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have a blast with Pete. They're going to have a blast with the coaching staff. Everybody in this building is going to support them, and we're, 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 we're going to win games, and we're going to have fun doing it. Anything stand out to you at the Combine? Uh, any any interesting stories, peculiar things? You don't have to name names, but any do you, do you write down in your notebook things that happen, right? Yeah, I haven't got to that yet. <laughs> I was <laughs> telling you guys I can do that all the time. I actually I still have to get caught up on that. But, you, have uh, write, you have to write. Yeah, down. yeah, too many stories. Um, you know, uh, no other than being able to see Scott Fitter, which you guys were very nice. You know, the, the, yes, you, John, you're so nice, and people say nice things to you all the time. And John, you know, Fitz says you guys are like you know, your relationship builder and all that. I'm like, okay, Fit, I guess, you know, I guess I'll buy you dinner. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, so, but not really. No. Yeah. You, you know, we're we're talking about the free agency, talking about the combine, the draft, and all of that. How much do you? How much time or how much uh, manpower do you do you devote to the XFL? Do you guys scout the? Do you have somebody that's keeping an eye on that? Yeah. Is that part of the process. Yeah, our pro. You know, we have four guys in our pro department, and so we have guys that are you know monitoring the games all the time, and and um, you know it's 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 going to be a cool area for for. Um, you know, I think especially for for uh, special teams depth, uh, long snappers, uh, kickers, punters, um, and then you know offensive linemen, and then you'll see who see who uh, you know steps forward like the pass rushers and you know the the quarter the you know, lay land with the quarterbacks where you can see the guys that are actually getting their reps and able to go out and play games. So yeah, we watch it all the time. I mean, I'd say we, not myself, I, I I don't, but we we have guys that are focused on it all the time and and and, and studying it and scouting it. Yeah, and you rely on those guys. How yeah. how much better is that for you guys having that little kind of a like a, a farm league? Basically, love it. You know, Gino and I used to talk about it all the time. I used to tell him about NFL Europe because he was like, what am, "How am I supposed to get my reps? Like, right. you know, should I go? You know, he, I love it here, but I'm not getting any reps. You know, with 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 Russ. So should I? Should I go to the CFL? Should I? You know, we used to talk about NFL Europe all the time, like Kurt Warner and Brad Johnson and Mark Bulger and. Um, JT O'Sullivan and all the guys, you know, all the guys that, that got to play in that league that totally improved. And so, um, yeah, I think it's 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 huge, especially for the quarterbacks. As far as the combine goes, you, you were talking about Anthony Richardson, who was the the star of the combine. Dave and I were talking about it, and I was I was under the impression I'm looking at it, going, yeah, we can all marvel at what somebody does there, and then talk about how high they jump and how fast they are. I don't think any GM, I don't think you're surprised. I don't think you went, oh, my God, the guy's an athlete. You know that going in. <laughs> yeah. So I don't imagine a mind is changed by that. Is it? No, it's still, it's still about, the, like I said, it's about the film. And, you know, it's about projecting where he's going to go. What's his, his experience been? You know, what What was high school like? What? How was he, like, who's been around him, helping him out? And it's not just him. It's it's, it's everybody, you know. Because and, and, the mock drafts now have him in the top five, where he was down in the 20s before. Now yeah. this workout, like he's going to, a GM yeah. all of a sudden is going to go, I had no idea who this guy was. And now, <laughs> now I'm going to take him with a third pick. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll say he was he was pretty impressive. Yeah. But we, we uh, I mean, it was kind of like one of those DK workouts. You know, you're kind of yeah. like, dang, that was, wow. Okay, that really happened. But, and I, I wasn't there for Dion, but I guess Dion. Dion, you know, ran his 40 and, like, you know, put a finger up in the air and was, like, just ran straight out of there. Not that finger, Dave, just number one. <laughs> I, I yeah, 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 just ran straight out of, of the tunnel. But I guess that was one of the more impressive ones where guys were, like, a lot of, you know, uh, personnel guys were like, holy smokes. So. Yeah. You know, now that you're on the show, you're kind of a big deal. 
Uh, and so <laughs> now he's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But you told us that story uh, about, uh, about uh, the, the breakfast place where they finally took the picture. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, Christmas gift. Yeah. So you, you're a little bit more recognizable out there. You have fans coming up to you or, or anything like that? Uh, not in Indianapolis, but actually uh, when we got back here um, having dinner, I'm like, this guy, you know, and I'm pretty, I'm a nice guy. I mean, I pride myself on that. But yeah. I have a guy. You know, grabbing dinner with a couple um, uh, fellow employees, and and, uh, and 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 we're leaving. And this guy's like, "Hey, Mr. Schneider," and I'm like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And he's like, "You know, hey, man, don't f this up." Like, but he said the words, <laughs> and I just what? I kind of looked at him like, "What?" And, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've had I've had some. <laughs> so usually, usually bad. the interaction's very nice. What happened? I, no, I said oh. there's good and bad. Yeah, there's good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Does anybody ever complain? Why did you get rid of this guy? How come he didn't sign this? Oh guy? yeah, there a lot oh of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I told you guys. Yeah, you know, defensive lineman. Like, yeah. Thanks for the flash, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course, defensive lineman. Is that a movie line or no? Yeah, it's not a movie uh, line. Okay. No. Have, have you hit no. us with one yet? Because no. John's going to put. No, a little, but those weren't pillows. Little. There we go. There you go. We'll see if our texters know where <laughs> where that that comes from, from which movie it comes, because he's going to throw little Easter eggs in the conversation for people to figure out. There you go. We'll see how how adept our listeners are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Everything's good though. Everything you came. Yeah, just any? doing press conferences and studying the board and. But yeah. did, did anything change at the combine, or is it exactly as it's been, just in the way of time and way of? It seemed like there were more. It's great. It was good. There was a lot of very, fans. There. Very similar to last year, there were more fans in the end zone. Yeah, um, and they were really into the Purdue guys and the Ohio State guys. You could hear them. You know, was, it, yeah, there was there was definitely more fans around uh, over the weekend, um, but. Timing-wise, it, it works out great. The second year in a row now, where you know you come back and kind of get your bearings. Uh, you know, as of you know, like today, I'm still finishing up grading um, the individual um, combine performances, like you know, from film, um, and then you know, working on you know some of our own guys we'd like to resign and that sort of thing. Um, and then Gino's press conference. But you know, now you have this. Now you have this uh, week. You get back from the combine. Now you have a week in there, which really helps. We used to come back and like just dive right into it, and you know, so the combine was, you, you know, you had more, you learned a little bit more from a, um, you felt like you're a little, like you had the 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 salary ranges nailed a little bit more for for the free agents. Now you could, there's another week there, so there's another gap of, um, you know, lack of communication. So as a scout, and you know, early on, it, it's got to be all about you're just watching film and going to games. But as you've have risen up to to be the GM. How much how much film do you watch on guys or you know or are you just waiting for guys to to bring you okay cuz you you can't watch every guy No I I I I stopped um I pulled off from going to a lot of school calls because you know I I uh um a lot of the scouts get to go in there you know like twice three times to a school twice three times a year and you know when you just cruise in there once and you know, they know the general managers coming in there. The guys kind of, the, the people at the schools tend to kind of just, you know, tell you, you know, what you want to hear uh, sometimes. And, and, and I've made some mistakes where, you know, I've kind of overruled a couple guys because I, w- I did the school call as well. Um, now, you're talking about watching film. And that, that's really like, that's the basis of, of, of what I do when I get, uh, you know, like, off course, what brings me back is like really, you know, getting back into grinder mode and and studying the film and studying the person or studying the player. So now I'm relying on uh, the scouts more 
than I used to to just you know tell me about the player. So I'm st- I study all the like the players as much as I possibly can, all the schools as much as I possibly can, and I don't get into the character until um, you know like what uh, our pre combine meetings like about a month ago. So the guy the area guys present the player, and now I'm hearing it for the first time. I don't have a preconceived notion of what the what the who the person is based on my personal experience of going into the school. Very nice. John, good to have you back, man. Yeah. Welcome back. Appreciate you Thanks, guys. John. All right. See you. There he is, John hey, Schneider with us every single week here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Once again, our thanks to Seahawks GM John Schneider for joining us as he does every Thursday. Again, if you missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. And we'll we'll replay that tomorrow for those that didn't get a chance to hear it because a little later time slot today because of Cougar basketball. But uh, talking about Mariner baseball, and we'll be down there before we know it, Dave. We'll be out yeah. there watching these guys up close and personal. Jerry DePoto on with uh, Brock and Salk today. Talking about a few different things. Now, the Mariners, they didn't sign the big bat. We, you know, they, they did bring in Teoscar Hernandez, which certainly counts in the way of a big bat. But kind of replacing Mitch in terms of additions, they didn't go crazy with it. They bring in Colton Wong and A.J. Pollock and, and things like that. But more of the conversation being the fact that they didn't do that, is that because they're counting on the, the ban of the shift to sort of naturally help out most of their other hitters on the roster? Here's what he had to say. I do think you're seeing it with the, some of the restrictions on shifting, especially with the left-handed hitters. We have seen so many balls go up the middle or in that, you know, kind of the, the, the four hole between the first baseman and second baseman that for what seems like a decade, they've been out. And in spring training, they've been hit. And, and actually, it's pretty refreshing to watch. There's, there's more activity in the game. I like it. I like it. That part I love. <laughs> I really like that. I'm still getting used to the the time, but yeah. You know the the other thing, um, Teoscar Hernandez hits the ball really hard, and that was another thing. I trying to remember the article I read, but it was about the shift and what some of the byproducts are going to be, and you know how the average was as low as it had been since I don't know, like the early '60s yeah. or something like that. So. Yeah, I think it'll benefit him as well. And like I said, he's uh, leading the team with five RBIs right now in spring anyway. But, yeah, the guys who hit it hard. But, yeah, the lefties, the mm-hmm. pole, are definitely going to be going to be uh, looking to increase a bit. Yeah, it, it's I, – I have no doubt that it'll help, you know, players on this team. And we'll get into who Jerry thinks it might specifically help. Yeah. But, obviously, if it's going to help the Mariners, it's going to help every other team as well. You know, every every other team, it's not like, hey, well, we didn't have to go out and get uh, another bat because our players are going to now be helped by this. Well, so is every other team. See, I so. forgot about that part, Bob. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm guessing yeah. there might be a few pole hitters on the other teams the, the Mariners face. So, right. yeah, you know, everybody takes a step up the, the rung, uh, takes a rung or two up the ladder, I guess, if you will, yeah. in the way of improved offense. Well, and I think last year before the season ended, Shannon Dreyer had a stat on, I think it was the team at the time, that mm-hmm. they were one of the top three teams that would most benefit benefit from the shift going away. So, you know, hopefully that'll, uh, especially Kelnick's the first guy that comes to mind, right? Yeah. Yeah, he and he's not alone, but he's he's certainly the first. And Jerry was asked about that. He identified a couple guys he feels like they'll they'll be impacted the most by this. I think there are three real gainers on our team with the the restrictions uh, that, that currently exist with shifting, and it's JK, it's Cal, and it's JP. Uh, 
I think those three guys in particular will benefit. JK has pulled so many balls hard to the right side of the field. And I can say the same about Cal that have just turned into outs. And, and JP hits more balls on the ground than most of the other hitters in our lineup and typically resides on that kind of middle to pull trajectory. So I, I think those guys will benefit in ways that others won't. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't. Uh, Cal Raleigh will be interesting because he did have a pretty low average. And if you were to just look at the body of work for him last year, not only behind the plate, throwing out runners, he's got actually good speed for for his size. And then, you know, just the, the timely hits. I mean, was he the number one catcher as far as home runs Most go? home runs for a catcher, yeah. yeah. 27 last year. But if you can bring that average up, you know, a few ticks there, that'll be nice too for Cal. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys, depending on where he's hitting, you know, none of us know what the lineup's going to look like, where Cal's going to be in the lineup. Perhaps they have him up higher based on his power. Uh, but if he if he is lower in the lineup, you want that, that on base to increase. Because if they're going to keep, this is assuming they keep Julio in that leadoff spot, and we've been hammering on this. But I just want to see that bottom of the order, you know, get on base, whether it's a walk, whether it's a hit, however they get on base, just, you know, give him as many opportunities to do damage as possible, and that's going to fall on the shoulders of whoever's, you know, seven, eight, nine, those guys. So we'll see if Cal's down there. Maybe he's higher, like I said, but certainly, you know, Kelnick, J.P. Crawford is another guy. He doesn't hit the ball hard, but he hits it hard enough to get it out of the infield if, if uh, you know, you don't have the, the short right fielder there the way they've had with the shift. So he, I, I think he's spot on. Those are the three guys that you look at and say they pull the ball. Two of them hit the ball really hard, so they're you know you figure that's that's going to be to their benefit certainly. And then J.P. Crawford as well doesn't doesn't feel like he squares it up that often, but this this could be huge for him. He really got off to such a great start last year, and then it completely tailed off. Mm-hmm. And then he I think he was dealing with some physical ailments towards the end of the season, on top of kind of struggling anyway. So sounds like he in the off season took a different you know concerted approach to really you know being here and working at driveline and and trying to improve what wasn't happening last year so this this could be a big bounce back year for him yeah jp was uh, an article by daniel kramer was talking about his connection to the ground kind of and you know just trying to uh, dig in and get a little bit more power i think it's also meaningful that he moved up here so he's an la guy and he moved up here he's going to like you said driveline and trying to work on that stuff but you know you're right we have hammered the uh the lineup and uh you know talking about possibly putting julio at number one how long in i'm trying to remember how many times that scott would like tinker with with the lineup as far as you know like how many you know they they start off like how many games before you start to kind of mess around with it i mean i know there's you know, subtle adjustments almost every game. But as far as, you know, changing his mind, I'm just curious how many, how many uh, games in is, is the, the range where you start to tinker with it a bit. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm sure he'll play the lefty righty thing for a bit, you know, let guys get comfortable, have some success. And, you know, maybe, you know, that's where we've talked about platoon situations in left field. We'll see. That's an interesting question. Interesting thing to think about because, you know, if, if he starts with Julio in the leadoff spot, maybe he starts with Colton Wong, and we'll see how Colton does against lefties. Maybe, you know, what's what's the tolerance there? If he goes up there and he's struggling against lefties like he did last year for whatever reason, 
All right, do you give them five games? you give them eight, ten games? I don't know. I don't – it's it's a good question. Not a great one, but a good one. Uh, <laughs> you know, and we'll we'll see what he does. But I, I think, you know, they'll they'll play the lefty-righty stuff depending on who's on the hill, who they're facing, and then see who's who's looking comfortable up there. But I think, you know, Lefko asks on the show sheet, you know, with the, these guys, you know, these three guys here, if they increase their production, does that close the gap on the Astros? Maybe, but again, you have to factor in if they're benefiting from the lack of a shift, so are the other teams. And that would be Jordan Alvarez, yeah. who hits the ball really freaking hard. Now, he tends to just hit it over the fence. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so everybody's going to benefit from this. Any any team that's got guys that were consistently pulling the ball into that short right field spot and it turned into an out, they're all going to benefit. So does it close the gap? maybe it's marginal depending on how much they're impacted by it, depending how much the angels are and the Rangers and the A's and every other team. So I don't, I don't look at it and say, well, that, that now is just as good as getting another bat. That's yeah. not how I view that. I think you're right. You know, yeah. cause they're going to get the same advantage. So yeah, and I, I think defensively, my mind kind of goes that way. We heard Colton Wong say that, you know, he is okay with that. He actually appreciates the shift and where he's going to be playing. And and then, you know, the Perry Hill factor. Maybe we put too much uh, pressure on poor Perry, you know, about. He's just consistently good, man. Yeah, he is. He turns turns guys around. He's had a a huge impact on JP, a huge impact on on Gino, really big on Gino. Yeah. And you hear them talk about it. So I, I it's it's good and bad. We've come to expect it, yeah, because he's done it so often. It's right. just what he does. He's he's a magician there. So yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, probably not fair because if somebody doesn't take to it for whatever reason, we're gonna go. Has he lost his touch? Well, I don't know that he's gonna <laughs> bat a thousand with everybody he works with, but he's right. guy's magic. He's a wizard. He's a wizard. Some sort of sorcery out there. But <laughs> all right, coming up, some good and some bad from Mariners pitchers so far in spring training. We'll hear from Jerry about that. That's coming up next as we continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, the pitching in spring training so far has been pretty solid, I'd say, for the most part. A couple of blips here and there. We saw George Kirby struggle his first time out. But, you know, a guy who's been uh, – a couple of guys have been shining. And, Dave, it appears to be the two guys that are thought to be available. Chris Flexen has been rock solid. He's not overpowering, but he's just a guy who's gone out there and just limits the damage, gets it done. Just you feel like he's as reliable as it gets. You can just count on him to give you a quality effort. And Marco Gonzalez goes three and two thirds today against Team Canada, a game you'll hear coming up after us tonight. Um, Scoreless second game in a row where he's gone three and two thirds and. He's he's pitched well, I think. Outside of, I think he had a little blip his first time out. But it, again, we're we're putting a lot of stock into spring and what they're doing, not doing. But so far, the two guys, it's good and bad because you're like, man, they they look good, but then that makes them more attractive to another team out there, and potentially they become more attractive trade bait. Well, and and then also if they're if Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray are crushing it like those two are, you you kind of be like, eh. but I don't know. I to me it's very encouraging just because Flexen. It was just so weird. A couple of years ago, he comes in unknown, goes out like you said, was solid as could be, and then you know last year it was a different story. Goes to the bullpen, and then same thing with Marco. You know, he's just one of those guys. You you're not always super confident, but he did, he always seems to you know give up runs early and then. He steadies the ship, and, you know, you've got to have some offense to, to support him. But the fact that those two 
are doing well. Again, we don't put much into spring. But um, – and a great example of that, Kirby, his his game was against the Rockies, right, I believe? I don't remember I who he – I just remember watching that game, and then afterwards when they took him out, he was – he seemed kind of pissed. Like he was like, you know, yeah, I know exactly what I did wrong, and I, I need to go and do this, and, you know, I was working on this and that. I don't even know if he said working on it, but it was – you know, it just led me to believe that he was, uh, he was doing some things differently. And so now, you know, he figured something out in that game. Very intense young man. Yeah. Very intense, man. He doesn't like to walk people. And he didn't do and, much of it last year. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting hearing him. But, you know, I, I, not as much as Kelnick, but the fact that is comforting that yeah. that Chris Flexen and and Marco Gonzalez are having good, solid start. Well, Jerry talked about that again. He was on with Brock and Salk this morning and talked about the the starting pitching in his opinion right now is right on track. We're starting to see velocity creep up whereas with the the starting pitchers we're starting to see command and and quality of secondary pitches improve that's what spring training is for and you know we're we feel like we're right on target for having the guys ready from you know from an innings or in spring training what we reference as an up down you know just getting a guy up and down in the game out there for that third time through the line or the third inning uh you know that that's the goal at this stage for guys like Robbie and Marco and and the Rock and with George and Logan, we started a little later, so it's not quite as far along. But we think they're in a good place. Yeah, it's you know he he uh, they're they look to be in a good place. Like, yeah, they're all working on different things and have different results at times. I know Luis Castillo, who we'll we'll hear a comment on here in a second. I think gave up a couple runs his last outing, struck out four, I believe, and he's a notoriously slow starter. But you just feel like, you know, what you saw from him last year versus, you know, what what we've seen in the past, and then you throw in the young guys who stepped up big. It, I love their rotation. I just, I love it. I think it's it's phenomenal. My only fear is, can they stay healthy? I think last year was just so much luck. It just, you just don't see that where you've got your five starters who just go through the entire season and nobody misses a start. It's just not how it goes. And I just don't think you go into a season counting on that again. It'd be, I'll take it, obviously. But that's where you look at a guy like Flexen or, or Marco, if, if Bryce Miller is a, a guy that all of a sudden finds a spot in the rotation. Then you got two guys on the outside that are starters in Flexen and Marco. And you're going, all right, well, is a surplus? What do you do? You feel feel like, yeah, you, you trade them. You, you get what you can get. But at the same time, that's a safety net. You yeah. know, having those guys, proven commodities. Not not a young guy. How's he going to do? Guys who have done it and some at the top of the rotation like Marco. Well, and you mentioned trading, trade bait. Do you think that, you know, you hear from service all the time that, look, it's about defense and pitching. I feel like he values that enough that he would err on the side of, hey, let's Let's keep these the pitchers around the guys that can be in our starting rotation and and, and I was looking at uh, just strikeout numbers and you know you look at uh, in in the spring anyway but um, you know these are all like four after four or five innings Castillo has six Bryce Miller has six and so does Robbie Ray and then that Baroa kid Prelander Baroa mm-hmm. is looking pretty sharp uh, so I don't I don't know how close he is but Miller you mentioned. Looks pretty good as well. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. And I I guess I would be resistant to 
trading. I mean, if they can get somebody and, you know, there's a huge demand for a guy like, you know, Bryce Miller or whoever, uh, yeah, I would understand it. But uh, I get the feeling that, that Scott's mantra has always been that. It's all about pitching and defense. And so I think he would be loath to trade away any of these guys that, in case, like you said, yeah, the year goes like it normally should, yeah. where pitchers do get banged up. That you've got some insurance. Yeah, it, it's it's nice to have their pitching rich. It feels like right now, and this is assuming health and everybody, you know, lives up to what they've done in the past. And then you've got a young guy in Bryce Miller who, listen, I don't know if he cracks the rotation or not. Probably not likely, I wouldn't think. But you know, I don't know where Jerry's mind is at there and how he's feeling about that fifth spot. And so far, he's looking good. Maybe maybe he's going to come out of the spring and go. We we got to go with this guy. We can't keep him out of that rotation. So then you've got Marco and Flexen sitting there. I don't know that that's likely, but it, it's a possibility. It's but yeah, looking at what happened last year, amazing. You can't expect, you can't count on that again. But you know, in the end, it's great to see those two pitching as well as they have been so far. And then the other guy we talked about, Luis Castillo. Here's here's Jerry just talking about a guy who notoriously has has been a bit of a slow starter in his career. Yeah, sure. Hope so. You know, and right now his secondary pitches are a little bit further along than we would have anticipated. His command is spring training-ish command right now. And and his velocity, like with the other guys, I guess not named Robbie Ray, it's speaking up as we move along. And the Rock came in as a little further along than we would have anticipated based on some of the feedback that we got during his time with the Reds. You know, he's. We've talked about this as we talked about with with Felix in in years past. His off season is about rest and recovery, and he typically doesn't start throwing until later in January. And I think he got after it a little bit earlier this year in terms of throwing. We'll see if that translates into you know more productive you know uh, outings in the early season. But you know, if we get those twenty five to thirty two starts that, that he has historically delivered, I'll take them whenever they come. What do you say his his command is spring training ish? Yeah. <laughs> well and then, you know, the other thing is is that uh I, I like that uh, Luis Castillo. First of all, they're just calling him the Rock now. The Rock, the yeah, rock. yeah. We heard from service though that he kind of raises the bar for everybody. You know, it's like, hey, we this is a team that can be good. But uh, yeah, the, it's kind of interesting that he's all of a sudden, yeah, Castillo's the Rock, the so, Rock, and his. I think it's funny also that uh, you know he goes and gets on the fishing boat and doesn't, yeah. doesn't you know throw until January. Obviously, whatever he's doing is working, and nobody can reach him. Nobody, he's just off the grid. He's he's probably out there with Blowers. They're probably yeah. hang, they're out there together, not returning calls. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what they're doing. But yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see him to start the year. But he is a guy who's who's kind of notoriously gotten off to slower starts. And you know, he talked about yeah, the velocity's not quite there in command spring training ish, as he called it. So you know, we'll we'll see how the season starts. But it, it's exciting to to have him to start the year. You know, yep. he came over in the middle of the year. He was outstanding. Obviously, they signed him to the extension. He was just a brilliant addition. But to get a full complement of him throughout the entire year, that is huge. I mean, this is, you know, we talk about weaknesses with teams. That is that is by far and away their strength is their pitching. And that includes their bullpen last year as well. And we'll see what, you know, bullpens we talk about every year. You never know what you're going to get, even with the same crew coming back. Who knows? A guy who was dominant last year all of a sudden can't find it this year or vice versa you know it's just it's a weird thing with bullpens so we'll we'll see but i can't wait to just get out there and see it up close and personal we're yeah. going to be there 
in a matter of days, a matter of days. Well, and like I said, you know, there's also times they'll work a guy out often on a, one of those side fields, and you can just kind of walk around, check it out, and always fun. All right, that's going to do it for us. want to thank our guest today, John Morosi and GM John Schneider. If you missed that conversation, all of this is available for you on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab, click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you as it is each and every day. Uh, we're going to re-air the John Schneider interview tomorrow at 3 o'clock because it was at a kind of a goofy time today because of Cougar basketball, so not a lot of people uh, probably able to hear it in the time they normally would. So we will replay this at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Also, we will continue with our Seahawks alumni series. Steve Largent will join us at 4.30 tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for all of that. Have a great night, everybody. We're back tomorrow with Wyman and Bob. Seattle Sports on 710.